Hello and welcome to Mixnerd News. This is where you come to listen to breaking news when it comes to the nerd world. That means we have breaking video game news, movie news, and TV news. If you want to hear about the latest games, the latest movies, and everything else, stick around. Because here's your host, Nick, from a tiny studio in San Diego. Guys, it is August 23rd. I am Nick. This is episode 276. That's right, you heard me. Episode 276. I cannot believe we're here. I can't believe August is almost over. Gamescom is going on. Our biggest story isn't even from Gamescom in the gaming world. Ahsoka is out, which was great. Um, You know, there's a lot of stuff going on. I'm going to talk about... My favorite 1980s action movies, probably one of the greatest decades for action movies, other than maybe the 90s. The 90s would definitely give it a run for its money. There's just so much to talk about today. I don't want to waste time dilly-dallying about that, but what I do want to waste time about is talking about, hey, you know, we have a website. You can listen to the show in the browser. We're also on every streaming service, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We're on iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, so you know, like, share, subscribe us on the big, the big platforms, if you will. There's a lot going on. There is a lot going on. Follow us on social media. I got an Instagram. I got a Threads. I got a TikTok. You know, follow Nixner News on on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, uh, and then follow me on on TikTok, the Nick DeFalco. A lot of cool stuff there. Hey, guess what? You can listen to the podcast on the TikTok now. How about that? Now that's cool. There's a link there. So if you guys follow me on TikTok, there's a link right to the new episodes. That's fun. So why don't we not waste any more time talking about that stuff? Because there's some fun stuff we do want to talk about today. Uh, there's a lot of trailers at Gamescom Opening Night Live. There's some some cool, interesting movie news to talk about. Uh, so instead of dilly-dallying and beating around the bush... Why don't we get right into the gaming news, shall we? Alright, so what's going on in gaming news? Well, uh, quite a bit. Gamescom did start this week. There was some major news, but it wasn't even at Gamescom, and I talked about that at the top of the hour in regards to Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard. But before we get to that, let's talk about some other things going on. So, Alan Wake 2, which was uh, re- announced last last year, early this year, 
uh, from Remedy Entertainment, has decided to delay release by about 10 days. Uh, That is in order to get out of the way of several big games coming out in October. No surprise there. Uh, it, 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 uh, granted October's already overstuffed, if you ask me. There's too many games coming out in October. It's a weird month for so many games to come out, but it's happening. So, now, instead of releasing on the 17th, it will release on the 27th of October. For those of you still playing on Xbox 360 actively, Microsoft has announced that its storefront, the digital storefront on the Xbox 360, will be discontinued, be shutting down, however you want to phrase that, next July. So July 2024, the digital storefront of the Xbox 360 will cease to exist. Uh, I'm pretty sure you'll still be able to play your games, you just won't be able to buy new ones. Uh, New rumors have come out saying that Lenovo is also hopping into the gaming handheld market, following in the footsteps of, of both LG of Steam, uh, and, and Net, or Valve, realistically, L, uh, Valve, LG, I think, uh, you know, Razer, technically, but now Lenovo is hopping into the market. Uh, it has not officially been announced, but renders and actual prototypes have been leaked and seen in the wild. Wild, not wild. <laughs> uh, Dumb Money, the movie about the GameStop stonk, stocks, haha, <laughs> get it, meme, Game stonks. Stonks, uh-huh, funny. Uh, the movie about the rise and fall of the GameStop stock buy program uh, from several years ago uh, will be adjusting its release schedule. Instead of a wide release and at the same time, it will do a staggered release. It will do a very extremely limited uh, release its first week. The second week will be a small release, second a medium release, whatever the fuck that means. And then, of course, on the fourth uh, week, it will be a wide release to all theaters, technically. Wide release still doesn't mean every single movie theater in America, but it means most movie theaters. So, you'll be able to watch that movie. Uh, depending on where you live, it might take longer uh, to see it than instead of quickly. Um, the Embracer Group, which has been very active as of late... Uh, they purchased the rights to the Lord of the Rings IP last year. Essentially, they, they purchased the rights to uh, the Tolkien estate, essentially is what it was. Well, a lot of questions have been had in regards to how they would handle the IP, and uh, they wanted to announce to everyone that it, it is in good hands. Uh, so what they have said, essentially, quote, The performance of Middle-Earth Enterprises is well ahead of the business plan developed at the time of acquisition a year ago, unquote. Um, so that means they're, they're doing well with it. it it's making money. It, it's, it's doing what they wanted it to do. They're not whoring it out. Some people might argue they are. Some people might argue they aren't. Uh, but, but it is doing uh, well in terms of what the Embracer Group wanted out of it. So is it in good hands is a a real debate that could be had and that would take up a whole hour or probably more realistically would take up several episodes we're not going to have that debate but the embracer group says not to worry things are going as planned apparently Uh, we also got the big modern warfare 3 reveal last thursday uh, in regards to call of duty modern warfare 3 it will be developed by sledgehammer games uh, will not be developed by Infinity Ward. It is a direct sequel to Modern Warfare 2. 
uh, as in 2022's Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, not the original. Uh, so we've learned about the campaign, Zombies is coming back, uh, classic maps are coming back, a lot of new screenshots have been released. Uh, so the zombie mode, uh, which is a, a quote, all new open world, unquote, also quote, largest Call of Duty Zombies map ever, unquote, so it's going to be all open world apparently. Uh, zombies will also feature, quote, an open-world PvE extraction survival experience with new mechanics, unquote. Um, including some of the largest enemies in a Call of Duty game ever, apparently, and from history. The campaign, they said, will, quote, open combat missions designed to empower player decisions like never before, numerous additional paths and choices to compete objectives uh, will also be available, unquote. So, that's what we're getting. Uh, so, Modern Warfare 3 will also have all 16 uh, launch maps of the original Modern Warfare 2. And they've been modernized with, quote, new modes and gameplay features, unquote. There will also be 12 new core 6v6 maps as part of its post-launch roadmap. Hardpoint kill confirmed and 3v3v3 cutthroat mode has been confirmed as well. Uh, a f open free beta will be held across PlayStation, Xbox, and PC. In the future, no date has been announced yet. It will launch on PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, S, and PC on November 10th. Uh, we also learned... Ooh, hold on. That's not what I wanted to do. Uh, we've also learned, in regards to it, uh, what these open combat missions will be like. So... It will allow for greater freedom. Uh, in an interview with Xbox, David Svensson, the campaign creative director and lead developer at Sledgehammer, said, um, quote, OCMs offer the player a raft of choices for mission completion. You can, for example, go for a stealthy approach and use night vision goggles and suppressed weapons to complete the mission without alt alerting enemies to your presence. If you want to go all guns blazing, you can use extra armor and plates and wade in, unquote. Um... He also said, quote, if you want to sneak through the entire level, you can. There are also vehicles, cleverly hidden loot boxes and weapon crates on these open combat missions, some of which contain kill streaks, which are, we are calling armaments, since you don't need a streak to earn any kills to earn them, unquote. Uh, he also talks about, you know, open world zombies, things like that. So it looks like Modern Warfare 3 is going to be very different than the Modern Warfares we've been used to. So, we've also learned that Working Man Interactive, a studio and game developer in the state of New York, has filed a petition to form a union under IATSE, or the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees. So this would be the first union in gaming under that union. Uh, and a press release notes that if it's successful, uh, like I said, it would be the first. So it says, quote, Game production is a cacophony of different jobs and disciplines pitted against each other for smaller and smaller pieces of a big pie. I believe IATSE's experience representing wide swaths of the entertainment industry gives us the best chance of navigating the various needs of our workers and create a sense of solidarity for artists, programmers, producers, and engineers, unquote. That is a uh, press release, essentially, from Working Man Interactive, Matthew Vimisilk, uh, who is the head of this uh, union push. And um, they've worked with Nintendo, Disney, and Nickelodeon in the past. 
uh, Working Man Interactive. IATSE is a labor union. It usually represents uh, crew members, artisans, technicians, uh, being those within that union. So it'll be interesting to see if this goes through and uh, how it affects Working Man going forward. And I say Working Man because it literally is spelled W-O-R-K. I-N-M-A-N, working man, there's no G. (laughs) Uh, So, are you guys Twitch streamers? Do you have annoying people you wish you could permanently ban from watching your stream? Well, in a new Twitch update, you will now be able to. So you can silence those being very, very annoying to you. Or being weird and creepy. Uh, Sega has announced that it... Acquisition of Angry Birds developer Rovio has now been completed. So Sega now owns Rovio. I wonder if that means we're going to get Sonic Angry Birds crossovers. Circling back to Call of Duty a bit. uh, Call of Duty developer David Vonderhaar, who has been with Treyarch since Call of Duty 2, Big Red 1, has announced that he will be leaving the company... Uh, this year. So he's been working at Treyarch uh, for the longest time. He said, quote, in a post, quote, today I'm sharing that I've left Activision and Treyarch after an incredible 18 years and eight Call of Duty games. To my co-workers at Treyarch, I am immensely grateful for the time we invested working to improve our craft, never sitting on successes and always wondering how to improve what we design and how we produce it, unquote. He also said, quote, thank you to the Call of Duty community for your passion and enthusiasm. That energy has often fueled our determination as a studio and individuals. I will always be grateful to the opportunity to interact with so many of you directly online and in person. This energy will always be a massive part of me. I'm staying in the games industry, working on an undisclosed project I can't discuss yet, but I'm excited about a rare and unique opportunity. I'll update you as soon as possible, unquote. So, uh, Treyarch even said, quote, Farewell to the legendary David Vonderhaar whose discipline, creativity, and innovation helped shape our games, from COD 2, Big Red 1, to Black Ops Cold War. His iconic phrases and groundbreaking ideas will be missed. Excited for your next adventure. Thank you, Vaughn. Unquote. So, I don't know how high up at the company he was exactly. I'm, I mean, guessing that he'd been there for 18 years, I'm, I'm sure he'd been there quite a while. But... It's interesting when a a dev gets this much praise when they're not the studio head or things like that. I wonder how that will change Treyarch's games moving forward. So, Starfield comes out in just a few weeks. And uh, it's already in the hands of some reviewers and different things. Well, the start screen for the game has leaked. And it's been causing a stir among some people. And I say some because realistically most devs and other gamers are like, why are people complaining? Their issue, the simplicity and uh, lack of like big menu. I I don't know what, what people were expecting. It looks like most modern UI experiences on new games. Um, I'm a little thrown off as to why people are complaining. I think people are complaining just to complain. Most games launch with a very similar uh, structure to their to their start screen. It, it literally is just a, a splash image with a small menu in like the bottom left corner. I, I don't know 
why people think it needs to be more. Like, I get it, and I don't get it at the same time. Uh, but for people to say, like, it's it's indicative of laziness or lack of work or crunch or they didn't have time to finish it, I think that's a little excessive. Um, but realistically, I've seen a lot of other games and a lot of other devs are like, what the hell are people complaining about? Um, but yeah, that that's that's the biggest issue now with with the game two weeks out before release. I, I don't know... Um, I, I don't know how that has anything to do with it, but yeah, so be on the lookout for that, I guess, if, um, if you think that, I don't, I don't even know, man, it's, it's ridiculous if you ask me. Um, <laughs> Nintendo has announced that Charles Martinet is officially stepping back from voicing Mario. Um, yeah. Man, at first we didn't get him as Mario in the movie, and now he won't even be voicing Mario in in Mario Wonder, the next mainline Mario game. Uh, Nintendo has announced that Charles Martinet, uh, who's been voicing Mario since 1991, mind you, is, uh, quote, stepping back from recording character voices for our games and serve as a Mario ambassador, quote unquote. So the official statement released on Twitter says, quote, Charles Martinet has been the original voice of Mario and Nintendo games for a long time, as far back as Super Mario 64. Charles is now moving into the brand new role of Mario Ambassador. With this transition, he will be stepping back from recording character voices for our games, but he'll continue to travel the world sharing the joy of Mario and interacting with you all. It has been an honor working with Charles to help bring Mario to life for so many years, and we want to thank and celebrate him. Please keep an eye out for a special video message from Shigeru Miyamoto and Charles himself, which we'll post at a future date, unquote. Uh, Martinet followed up with a quote tweet saying, quote, my new adventure begins. You're all number one in my heart. Woohoo! Unquote. Um, yeah, man, that's... Uh, look, I mean, he didn't do a whole lot as Mario, right? He'd be like, it's-a me, a Mario! And woohoo! Like, stuff like that, right? Not, not, not anything wild or crazy. It, it, but it, it's still... Um, it's still unfortunate to lose him when a lot of us grew up with him as the voice, right? Uh, Nintendo then did confirm that he will not be voicing uh, Mario in Super Mario Bros. Wonder. Uh, they have yet to re- reveal who is the new voice. I guess fans noticed in the trailer when it came out that uh, the voice was different. I, I didn't. But moving forward, we'll, we'll eventually learn who the new voice is. Xbox has also announced new console wraps for the Xbox Series X, announcing three new console wraps, uh, one being Starfield-themed, the other two being uh, two different versions of, of, of camouflage. They are not what you think of when you would think of a traditional console wrap. Uh, they are actually like plastic, and uh, they, they wrap around the back with with velcro they're not sticky so you can take them off at your leisure a lot of people that are comparing them to the the old swappable face plates on on the xbox 360 i don't know if you guys are old enough to remember but on the original xbox 360 not the slim or anything like that they sold like different face plates that you could stick to the front because the face plate could come off 
and you could throw up like ones that had art. People would paint their own. There were official ones that came out with games and things like that. So it's a little cheaper than than making a custom console, and I, I kind of get it because obviously the supply chain is still kind of reeling from the past few years, and it'd be uh, a little frustrating to have them stop producing the regular one to make a little bit more of an expensive one and make it harder to get both. So I get it. Uh, but the official Xbox Series X console wraps, someone already tweeted dbrand, be like, hey, you guys getting in on this? <laughs> um, it will not alter the console's performance, and it, uh, like I said, it does not cover the vents, so it won't feature anything, it's no sticky, so no sticky stick. Um, the first one will be, uh, they are available now for pre-order, will launch on November 10th, and uh they come in mineral camo and arctic camo, which retail for, I think, $45. And then the Starfield one will retail for $50. So, yes, I understand. Quite expensive. But like I said, when you see the announcement video and the images of them, you'll get that they're not just simple pieces of, of, of tape, right? They're, they're actual, like, developed things. I think it uses, it's either Velcro or... Um, or magnets where they clip on the back. They have open ports. They have open slots for all the port ports, so you don't need to worry about like sticking it on and having bubbles and things like that. So it's definitely something that uh, that I could get behind. Um, Mitch Dyer, who I love, is a, a game industry uh, writer, and he used to work for IG, and he's <laughs> he tweeted a picture of the uh, he tweeted a picture of the old faceplates. Like we're so fucking back, and Xbox tweeted back the glow up is real. So I'm all in on this when they release some other ones for sure. So now we come to today's top story. And I know it's in the middle of the gaming news, but it is the top story. It's the biggest story. Microsoft has announced in a deal to uh, better win the opinions of the market, the Competition and Markets Authority in the United Kingdom. Uh, Microsoft has announced a restructured deal in regards to cloud gaming and cloud streaming, and has signed a deal with Ubisoft um, to, uh, you know, give them exclusive rights uh, in the UK. Um, oh, whoa, 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 hold on. Uh, this includes signing deal Ubisoft to sell cloud streaming rights for all current and new Activision, Blizzard, PC, and console games released over the next 15 years, excluding the European economic area, and the rights will be in perpetuity. So it says, uh, quote, Microsoft says, uh, Microsoft President Brad Smith said, quote, as a result of the agreement with Ubisoft, Microsoft believes its proposed acquisition of Activision Blizzard presents a substantially different transaction under UK law than the transaction Microsoft submitted for the CMA's consideration in 2022. As such, Microsoft today has notified the restructured transaction to the CMA and anticipates that the CMA review process can be completed before the 90-day extension in its acquisition agreement with Activision Blizzard expires on October 18th. Um, in this restructured deal, uh, Microsoft will not be in a position to either release Activision Blizzard games exclusively on xCloud or exclusively control the licensing terms of Activision Blizzard games for rival services. So this means that Activision Blizzard games appearing on PlayStation and Nintendo consoles on cloud services. Uh, Ubisoft can also now commercialize the distribution of games via cloud streaming, including to Microsoft itself. Uh, 
<laughs> That's funny. They got to pay for their own games. Um, Ubisoft has announced they will buy the cloud streaming rights to Activision's game through a one-off payment and through a market-based wholesale pricing mechanism, including options that support pricing based on usage. Then Ubisoft will be able to license it out to third parties, the cloud streaming rights to Activision games under any business model of its choosing, including buy-to-play, multi-game subscription services, or any other model that may arise. This is all via IGN. Um, they also, Microsoft can, for a fee, require Microsoft to adapt Activision titles to operating systems other than Windows, like Linux, or things like that. Uh, Sarah Cardell, chief executive of the CMA, said, quote, The CMA has today confirmed that Microsoft's Activision of Activision, as originally proposed, cannot proceed. Separately, Microsoft has notified a new and restructured deal, which is substantially different from what was put on the table previously. As part of this new deal, Activision's cloud streaming rights outside of the EEA will be sold to a rival, Ubisoft, who will be able to license out Activision's content to any cloud gaming provider. This will allow gamers to access Activision's games in different ways, including through cloud-based multi-game subscription services. We will now consider this deal under a new Phase 1 investigation. This is not a green light. We will clarify and objectively assess the details of the restructured deal and its impact on competition, including in light of third-party comments. Our goal has not changed, and any future decision on this new deal will ensure that the growing cloud market continues to benefit from an open and effective competition, driving innovation and choice. We believe that this development is a positive for players and the progression of the cloud game streaming market, oh, uh, innovation and choice, end quote. That was the CMA. Brad Smith followed up himself with a quote saying, We believe that this development is positive for players, the progression of the cloud game streaming market, and for the growth of our industry. And as we continue to navigate the review process with the CMA, we remain as committed as ever to bringing the incredible benefits of the acquisition to players, developers, and the industry. Today's development brings us one step closer to bringing the joy of gaming to players everywhere. Unquote. Following that, Ubisoft announced, saying, quote, further strengthen Ubisoft's content offering through its subscription service, Ubisoft Plus, as well as allowing Ubisoft to license streaming access of the Activision Blizzard catalog of games, including future releases, to cloud gaming companies, service providers, and console makers. Ubisoft Plus will be able to further expand its growing library of titles, enabling players the ability to play across multiple platforms, including PC, Xbox consoles, and Amazon Luna. With a single subscription to Ubisoft Plus, multi-access, and on the PlayStation platform with Ubisoft Plus Classics, unquote. Now, this is very interesting because this is a new deal and wide-ranging and could essentially change what happens with how the CMA responds to the Activision Blizzard uh, acquisition by Microsoft. Remember, they essentially blocked the deal several months back in regards to cloud gaming, saying Microsoft could take over the cloud gaming market. Now, this essentially flies in the face of that and tells them, you can fuck right off with your bullshit stoppage. So, we'll see, though, ultimately, if the CMA decides to change their mind. This obviously changes the deal. So, they are essentially starting back at square one, which I think will help, ultimately, in Microsoft's favor. However, we will see if things change. But remember to keep coming back to Nixner News if you guys want to learn more about the Activision Blizzard acquisition by Microsoft. 
So, moving on to a classic console, if you will. Atari is coming back. Uh, Atari and Play- Playon, Playon have announced a new Atari 2600+, Plus, which they are calling, quote, a modern-day faithful recreation, unquote. It will release on November 17th for $129.99. It will come preloaded with 10 games and a CX40 Plus joystick controller. Uh, the Atari 2600 Plus is now available for pre-order. It will have HDMI output, USB power, and multiple screen resolution options, those of which were not available, obviously, on the original Atari 2600. Um, so, those 10 games will come with one cartridge that includes Adventure, Combat, Dodgem, Haunted House, Maze Craze, Missile Command, Real Sports Volleyball, Surround, Video Pinball, and Yars Revenge. Uh, also, they have announced that the Atari 2600 Plus will be backwards compatible with hundreds of original, what they say, quote, hundreds of original Atari 2600 and 7800 games, unquote. So, it, uh, it will look and feel the exact same way when you play with the joystick, metal switches, Everything like that, as such, they were on the original 2600. Um, you can also purchase the CX-30 paddle controller with a 4-in-1 multi-game cartridge separately for $39.99. Games included on that will be Breakout, Canyon Bomber, Night Driver, and Video Olympics. Uh, you can purchase extra CX-40 joysticks standalone for $24.99. Um, Interesting. Another, they also announced additional launch titles available at purchase for $29.99 each will be Berserk Enhanced Edition and Mr. Run and Jump. Um, this is very cool. I'm shocked at the price because it's essentially a, a classic console, um, but it is essentially an original Atari, which I've only seen like once. Um, but uh, this is definitely interesting for collectors of games, gaming, gaming history, things like that. Uh, so, moving on. Gamescom, the annual gaming convention held in Europe, in Cologne, Germany, started, uh, what was this, last night, I think it was. And we have learned, or the night before, Monday night, uh, Europe is about nine hours ahead, so they're, they're on Thursday already. Uh, no, Tuesday night, it was Tuesday night, excuse me. Well, they had Gamescom Opening Night Live, which is hosted by Jeff Keighley, who many of you know who hosts the Game Awards as well. Uh, It's essentially just a night of announcements. Um, They announced a ton of stuff. I'm not going to go over every single thing. I'm going to go over what I think is is pretty fucking cool. Um, We got a new Modern Warfare 3 trailer showing off the first mission. Alan Wake 2, we got gameplay interspersed with with live action, showing the dark place, quote-unquote. I will say this forever and ever. The first game is criminally underrated. If you've never played the first Alan Wake, you need to do so now before the second game comes out in October. Uh, Diablo 4 showed off Season 2 being called Season of Blood, which releases later this year. Mortal Kombat 1 released a new gameplay trailer showing off Sindel and General Shao, confirmed with a K as the next two fighters in the, the official lineup. Tekken 8 got a new trailer with a January 26th release date on modern consoles and PC. Assassin's Creed Mirage showed off more gameplay and showing off the ancient setting of ancient Baghdad. And and it feels like it's going back to its roots, more similar to the original Assassin's Creed. Cyber... 
Cyberpunk 2077 2.0 was announced. And if you're wondering, does that mean a sequel to Cyberpunk 2077? No. What that means, it is a new, complete overhaul of Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, So this will be a free update. You do not need to purchase the Phantom Liberty DLC. Uh, some new things they've announced. New District has been uh, added to the game. Dozens of new story quests and gigs. Vehicle combat and mounted weaponry have been overhauled. Revamped police system. Combat AI overhaul. Endless dynamic events and missions. Redesigned cyberware and perks. All new relic skill tree and abilities. Increased level cap. And hundred more than 100 new items including weapons, cyberware, and fashion. And as I stated before, this will be a free update. Um, so you guys can check out the trailer. They've completely overhauled how the perks and, and uh, uh, what was that? The, the relic skill tree has been, been completely redesigned. I think a little bit easier in flow. So if you have not played Cyberpunk 2077 at all, or if you have not played in a very long time, this will probably be a good thing to jump in with if you have not um, I'm excited for this uh, we also learned Sonic Superstars will launch on October 17th so there you go, another October game Sonic Frontiers will be getting a new update that will feature new playable characters and the like Quantic Dream announced that they will be publishing a game called Dustborn uh, so it's a game they did not develop but it was developed by one of their partners it looks like uh, Dustborn is coming from Red Thread Games. It's a narrative-driven action-adventure game set in an alternate version of America. Whatever that means. Uh, Thank Goodness You're Here was announced. It is from the developers of Untitled Goose Game. And uh, <laughs> this this trailer is outrageous. That's all I'll say. Uh, Little Nightmares 3 was announced. Uh, Black Myth Wukong, which is a game from a Chinese developer that I'm very excited about, uh, showed off more gameplay and boss battles that that we've been waiting for. Hopefully we get a release date soon. Um, It was announced Marvel 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 Snap has finally released on Steam out of early access. Uh, Bulletstorm VR was announced for release in December. Uh, Mind you, the first Bulletstorm released back in... 2011. Age of Empires 4 is now available on console. Uh, Killing Floor 3 was announced. Armored Core 6 showed off more gameplay. The game is literally out on Friday. (laughs) Didn't even realize that. A lot of other game trailers were released, and I mean a lot, uh, including a game I'm very interested in, Aura, uh, which is a new city builder that uh, seems to be uh, similar to like a mix between like maybe SimCity and um, Civilization uh, in terms of like you pick a world leader and things like that. I'm very excited about that game. It looks fun. The graphics look decent. Um, so we'll see ultimately what happens with that game. Um, I will be very excited to know more once it, um, once it comes out. Uh, but all those trailers are online and available to watch. Uh, Also, at the end of that, Jeff Keighley announced that the Game Awards, for their 10th anniversary, yes, the Game Awards have been around for 10 years now, uh, will air Thursday, December 7th, uh, 2023, obviously, 
Thursday night, all new trailers and announcements, including winners of great awards in the gaming industry. I mean, realistically, it's it's a it's a game announcement fest, right? Like it's, people watch more for the announcements than they do the awards. Uh, a couple remasters were announced at Gamescom today. Uh, Turok Three of all games is getting a remaster, and then the official announcement of Star Wars Dark Forces getting a remaster coming out later this year. Uh, that is coming from game developer Night Dive. Uh, we also learned more about the new PlayStation Project Q handheld. Uh, it is now going to be called PlayStation Portal. It will not have Bluetooth, but it will have a 3.5 headphone jack. You will need to be, you will have to purchase new PlayStation Link compatible headsets, including their new earbuds. Uh, no local play, no media playback, no PS5 cloud streaming, and it's targeting same battery life as DualSense, which is fucking atrocious um and will release for 199.99 it still does not have a release date um like i said it will stream ps5 games over wi-fi it has an 8 inch lcd screen running at 1080p at 60 fps uh like i said later this year at 199.99 which i'm sure is a lot cheaper than the 300 that many people were expecting um, they said, quote, PlayStation Portal will connect remotely to your PS5 over Wi-Fi, so you'll be able to swiftly jump from playing on your PS5 to your PlayStation Portal, unquote, says Hideki Nishino, Senior VP of Platform Experience at Sony Interactive. Um, it will play only supported games that are installed on your PS5 controller and use the DualSense. Uh, it features prominent controllers on each side that look essentially like a DualSense. They have adaptive triggers and haptic feedback. Um... And it will be capable of playing media as the home screen has a dedicated section for it. But it's just mirroring, mirroring what is on your PlayStation 5. You won't be able to run anything locally. So if you try to take it out of your house, it's not going to work. Um, it won't work with Sony's new cloud streaming, which is very strange. Um, I guess because Wi-Fi, even if, I, I don't know. Um, as long as they're installed on your PS5, you'll be able to play it. Uh, you need a minimum internet connection of at least 5 megabits per second. They recommend 15 megabits per second for the best experience. That's not bad. That's actually, that's low. In the grand scheme of things, that is a very low internet speed. Um, so, not worried. I don't like the look of it, though. I'm not sold on this thing. Um, like I said, it won't have Bluetooth, so you won't be able to connect to wireless headphones or Sony's Pulse 3D. Uh, it uses PlayStation Link. Uh, it's a new proprietary standard for PlayStation devices, which people used to shit on Xbox for, for having, by the way. Um, <laughs> so, PlayStation Link is designed to de deliver low-latency, lossless audio, and uh, they are launching new headsets and earbuds, like I said, that will support PlayStation Link. Um, you can link this new headset with the buds to PS5 through a USB adapter. Um... I wonder if the PS5 Slim is on the way. Wait a minute. What is with, with Sony and using fucking USB adapters to connect their headset? That's stupid shit, if you ask me. I get it. But, like, those headsets and buds should have Bluetooth and PlayStation Link. Just saying. Um, it will have a 3.5mm headphone jack, though, 
as well. Um, the battery life has not been finalized. So, like I said, they're shooting for dual sense, so seven to nine hours, which I think is atrocious for a, a con controller with a built-in battery. Just saying. Uh, my the battery in my um, my uh, uh, Elite Series Two controller lasts like months. <laughs> I feel like so. Anyway, that is news on the PlayStation Portal. Zack Snyder is uh, was being interviewed, I guess, at Gamescom. Uh, he did show off his Rebel Moon movie during Gamescom opening night live, uh, which is essentially his anti-Star Wars movie. Uh, IGN sat with him and asked him and his wife about video game movies and video game adaptations, and they said that Gears and Halo would be the best movies to adapt um, to or would be the best games to adapt into a movie or a, or a television um, show, which makes sense. I mean, Halo's already a show and, and Gears of War is already happening. Um, Netflix announced it. I don't know if they announced a director. But uh, in their interview, they said, quote, well, there are a lot. We've talked about a bunch of... Gears has always come up in our sort of circle. I was always interested in the Halo franchise. They, of course, kind of made that, but it was something I always thought could be incredible, unquote. Regardless of what you think of Zack Snyder, if Zack Snyder made a Halo movie or a Gears movie, it would be epic. And I say that because Zack is an expert cinematographer and a director. He knows how to get some of the best shots in a movie. And I'm not kidding in that. I'm not one of these rabid Snyder fans. I like Zack Snyder, but I'm not like one of these crazy dudes on the internet. I never actually believed the Snyder Cut would ever come out. Like, realistically, I was not part of that huge push. I'm happy it did. A lot of people are happy it did. But I'm not one of these, like, I'm going to go die on a hill for Zack Snyder. Dude's a nice dude. Some shit has been handed to him wrongly over the years. But he still has made good movies. Some bad, some good. Um, but I would welcome a, a Zack Snyder Gears or Halo film. Phil Spencer is also in uh, Cologne talking to and was talking to IGN about a whole host of things. Two things, though, stood out mostly to me. He was being interviewed by um, Destin Legary of IGN, and uh, he was talking about Activision Blizzard games on Game Pass, things like that, uh, especially it came up with the news about this, the deal announcement to sell streaming rights to Ubisoft. Um, Phil said this, quote, I want to make sure people know that there's work to actually move games to Game Pass. So for the people who think the deal is going to close and then everything is available, that's not true. And it hasn't been true in other acquisitions that we've done. There's work for us to go do, just mechanical work for us to go do. So it'll take, take us time, definitely time, to get the games in the portfolio, unquote. And that's in regards to getting Activision Blizzard games on Game Pass. Uh, so it doesn't seem like it will happen right away. Um, he also talked about stuff with Bobby Kotick in regards to that. And he said, quote, Where there's a, well, there's a different person making the decisions. That's one thing. On Game Pass, it's not necessarily true that every game looks at Game Pass 
and says that's the opportunity for me. If you're a massively successful AAA franchise that has double-digit million marketing budget to go drive awareness and discovery of your game day one, and that's part of your model, I totally understand why you wouldn't window your game day one into a subscription. I've got no issue with that. We do it as a first party because we're trying to grow the subscription and we're looking at the overall health of the subscription as an outcome. We love that. We see it grow on console, more growth on PC definitely now, which has been awesome, especially sitting here in Germany. We think about all the PC players here. So I just got out, actually, of a roundtable with a bunch of indie developer leads, studio heads, and the subscription helps them. It helps them in terms of dev funding, certainly in what they can go build. Every game that's in Game Pass is available for sale, so we're not trying to turn the world into a subscription-only world, I promise. That's not our plan, and we think it's a great model for certain teams, and for other teams, that's to decide it's not the right model for them ever or right now. That's also totally cool as well, unquote. So I get it. Phil, Phil, Phil knows how to talk to the gaming world. Not everyone agrees with him. You don't have to always agree with him, but it makes sense. Uh, Destin also asked him, Destin of IGN asked him about um, the requirement that all games release on Xbox Series S as well. Mainly in light of Baldur's Gate 3 not being available on Xbox yet because they are trying to get it to work properly on the Xbox Series S. And a lot of people think now moving forward they should not require every game to be released there because it, it does hold back development in some regards. Um, and it, it's mainly has to do with Baldur's Gate, Baldur's Gate 3's split-screen two-player co-op. It uh, doesn't route well run well enough on the Series S. Um, but, and Larian is working with Microsoft. But uh, this is what Phil Spencer had to say. He said, quote, the decision to do split screen or not is a creative decision, a dev decision. So if we think about Forza, it has nothing to do with any kind of hardware thing on S and X, just where they wanted to focus their time. We obviously see the data in terms of how many people play local co-op for games, I love local co-op. Shout out to Vampire Survivors that just launched it. Fantastic. But there's also just a let's go where the play is in terms of where we're going to focus our dev resources. In terms of the two platforms, I want games to launch on both platforms, X and S. There are features differences between the platforms. We have an ability to kind of handle that and how it works. Where teams are going to choose to focus their time and their effort is up to them. We're here to support them and what they want to go do. We want to make sure that games, when they're launching on competitive platforms, are also launching on Xbox. So we're going to learn from this experience as well, because we don't love that. But I don't think it's something that's a fatal flaw in the system. It's partners prioritizing their time, us listening, and being a good partner to them. And you see some amazing games doing great work across SNX. Diablo looks great, Starfield looks great, Forza looks great across both. And I want to make sure console gaming is accessible to more people... And we think the price point of the console is a pretty important part of that. I will say that I think some of the discussion in the community has maybe not come from us or the devs. It has been more the community building. Well, this happened and then that happened and then so it must be about this. And I think we can do more to add clarity to actually where we are and I look forward to doing that, unquote. Um, in response specifically to Baldur's Gate, though, he had to say this. Quote, it's a great game. They're an important partner. I'm meeting with them here at Gamescom. It's a game I want to see on the platform, and we have resources that helped in terms of making sure it's going to. I think they've said it's going to ship by the end of the year. I think that's their words in terms of what they've said. 
but we should together come up with clarity to set some expectations for Xbox fans, and I look forward to doing that, unquote. So, again, Phil is he's being an executive in, in this regard. Obviously, they don't want to kill the Series S because that's been a large driver for them in terms of sales of the new Xboxes. Um, so, I, I, I get it. I really do. I just hope, though, that moving forward after this, they learn a lesson and can make sure games aren't delayed or look worse because of the Series S situation. Um, Certain Affinity has announced, after years of partnering with Microsoft and 343 especially on a lot of games uh, and other developers, uh, Certain Affinity, uh, their head, Max Hoberman, has announced they will be finally working on their own game. Uh, More details and stuff will be announced in the future. Uh, As of right now, it's just a proof of concept. And our final bit of gaming news tonight has to do with Epic Games, who have announced a new program for developers in return for exclusivity. A new opt-in program that they are calling Epic First Run Program uh, will allow participating developers, uh, this is via IGN, to keep all of their profits, 100% profit profit retention uh, from new releases launching on or after October 16th this year for a full six months. So they will get full retention of profits for the first six months of release after October 16th. Um, After that, revenue split will return to their regular split with Epic, which is 88% of revenue goes to the developer and 12% to Epic. In exchange for this, companies who opt in will be prohibited from selling their games on a competing storefront, including Valve, uh, during that six-month run. Uh, it will also be ineligible for the program if it's already been offered on another third-party storefront previously. Um, they are still allowed, though, to sell through their own first-party digital store Um, or use Epic's Keyless Redemption program that they have via Humble Bundle or Good good Old Games. Uh, Creators will also be free to sell their games on a third-party storefront once the six-month run is over. So if you want to get that 100% retention on a storefront, digital storefront, that's not your own, the first six months is Epic only. Um, Epic has announced it will be available to developers of any scale, quote-unquote, and grant participating titles a number of perks designed to increase exposure. They will uh, allow relevant store campaigns and other things, uh, so Epic's going to feature them on the homepage, essentially. So, uh, I don't personally care for the Epic store on a computer. I know a lot of other people don't, but I also know a lot of games... um, I know of a lot of games that have been on Epic exclusivity... And I've actually waited for them to leave Epic before I bought them. One of those being Hades. Uh, but that is it for gaming news. Let's go and see what's going on in Hollywood, shall we? Just take a, a short trip up the Five North. All right, so what is going on in Hollywood, huh? What is going on in Hollywood? How about this? Ewan McGregor 
uh, via Deborah Chow, the director of the first season of Obi-Wan and several episodes of The Mandalorian, has announced that Ewan McGregor has pitched several different ideas for a potential season two of Obi-Wan. It's like there's ten years of stories worth to to tell. Which, don't get me wrong, I very much enjoyed Obi-Wan. I would totally take a second season. I hope one day it happens. I just know that it's not really in the cards currently. Uh, Apple TV Plus has shown off its Monsterverse show, Monarch... uh, what was it? Legends, I think it's called. Um, it will star Kurt Russell and well as his son Wyatt Russell playing a younger version of Kurt Russell's character. Um, it is set, like I said, in the the MonsterVerse, um, and it will uh, feature Godzilla and other monsters. So I'm very excited. It will also star Anna Sawai. Kiersey Clemens, Ren Watabe, Mari Yamamoto, Anders Holm, Anders Holm, Joe Tippett, and Elisa Lasowski. Um, I'm very excited. I might actually sign... Monarch Legacy of the Monster, excuse me. And uh, they did show off some pictures, and it, it takes place um, after the first Godzilla movie in, from 2014, uh, set in San Francisco. So uh, it says, quote, Monarch Legacy of Monsters tracks two siblings and following their father's footsteps to uncover their family's connection to the secret organization known as Monarch. Clues lead them into the world of monsters and ultimately down the rabbit hole to Army Officer Lee Shaw, played by Kurt Russell and Wyatt Russell, taking place in the 1950s and half a century later, where Monarch is threatened by what Shaw knows. The dramatic saga, spanning three generations, reveals buried secrets in the ways that epic, earth-shattering events can reverberate through our lives. That is the official press release from Apple and, and, and what it's about. Um, from Legendary Entertainment, Legendary te- Television, and uh, it is co-developed by Chris Black, who also created Severance, Star Trek Enterprise and Outcast, and Matt Fraction of Hawkeye. Matt Shakeman, who wrote WandaVision, directs the first two episodes. Um, I'm very excited. I might have to sign up for Apple TV for this. Uh <laughs> Uh, it will produce, um, what is this? Uh, it doesn't have a date yet, um, for when it will premiere. So, I don't think, it says August 23rd, but I think that's for a different show. I don't think that's, um, I don't think that's for this one. So, anyway... Yeah, we got news and information about that. Uh, David Ayer has been very vocal about the Suicide Squad movie he directed, uh, getting so much into it about his regrets in regards to how he portrayed Jared Leto's Joker, uh, including really admitting that the damaged tattoo across the Joker's forehead was a mistake when uh, when he decided to put that on the character. I know a lot of people. A lot of people did not like that, myself included. I, I get it. He was trying to be edgy and different, but ultimately, it was it was too polarizing, and, and he even admits it because he also is a huge, huge Joker and Batman fan. Uh, so he he understands why people would have an issue with it. He understands what the issue was with it, um, but it's good to see that that he understands that. 
Uh, Disney has announced uh, several of their projects that have been digital only will be getting a physical release. That includes Prey, the uh, prequel film to the Predator franchise, and newly announced The Mandalorian Season 1 and 2, WandaVision, and Loki will also be getting physical releases. Uh, the four aforementioned shows will actually be getting steelbooks and will feature bonus features uh, that we don't necessarily get in streaming. Uh, Marvel has announced that Star Wars Visions will be getting a continuation of sorts in comic form, uh, telling different stories in different styles. And if you're sitting here wondering, wait a minute, haven't they done a Star Wars Visions before? Yes, they have. In an old canon or an old legend story. This is actually Star Wars. The original Star Wars Visions is where we got the idea for Maul coming back with metal robotic legs, if you didn't know. Uh, that is an interesting comic book that tells some alternate stuff, uh, like a what-if situation. So it'll be nice to see that it's technically coming back. And sticking with comic adaptations of film projects, DC has announced a third book in the series Batman 89, which essentially tells the story of what would happen if, if Batman 89 had, had gotten a, a, a sequel, or excuse me, if Batman Returns had gotten a sequel, and I'm not talking about the awful, awful uh, um, Schumacher films. This is set in the Burtonverse. So, like, there was a book that featured Billy D. Williams' version of Harvey Dent becoming Two-Face, and things like that. This will be a third book, and it will feature Harley Quinn, uh, whose likeness is modeled off Madonna, and a version of Jonathan Crane's Scarecrow. Uh, that will release with its first issue later in the year. Uh, the Writers Guild of America has called out the big three of streaming, if you will, uh, as negotiations have somewhat broken down. Apparently, David Zaslav and Bob Iger tried to lecture to the Writers Guild, and that's what caused the um, the breakdown of talks to start in the first place. Uh, but a new report from the Writers Guild of America has called out the big three. Uh, in this report, they call out Disney, Amazon, and Netflix for, quote, anti-competitive practices in abusing their dominance to further disadvantage competitors, raise prices for consumers, and push down wages for the creative workforce, unquote. Uh, what they also said in their report was, quote, pay and working conditions for writers have become so dire and media conglomerates so unresponsive that 11,500 11, writers went on strike in May 2023. Without intervention, these conglomerates will seize control of the media landscape and the streaming era's advances for creativity and choice will be lost, unquote. Uh, they especially call out Disney's significant acquisitions, um, going back as far as their purchase of ABC in 1995, up into the purchase of 21st Century Fox in 2019, um, including Pixar, Marvel, and Lucasfilm. Uh, they also recognize that while Amazon is new, uh, but in, accuse them of, quote, predatory pricing, aggressive acquisitions, and establishing, then abusing its position between competitors and consumers, unquote. Uh, they've recently acquired MGM, things like that. They have two different streaming services. Amazon Prime Video and MGM Plus. Like, really? 
Uh, and then they also call out Netflix for being, quote, gatekeeper in employment, set a low ceiling on experienced writers' pay, and has attempted to severely underpay writers for their work during series post-production, unquote. Um, they also called out the ex- exacerbating rise of prices and streaming uh, across the industry. So, obviously, their biggest... Anger is via in regard to streaming and not getting the same residuals while those companies continue to rake in money. While the companies also cry poor and say that those streaming services are losing them more money than they're taking in. So it's a big, a bit of a give and take in understanding what's true, what's not, and navigating those, those waters. Um, building off of that, we have to talk about the sudden rise in popularity of the show Suits on streaming services. So, in the last few months, um, Suits has racked up 3.7 billion, billion with a B, streaming minutes between Netflix and Peacock. So, this show originally uh, premiered back in 2011. It was on for nine seasons. Um, it went, it, 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 something happened after it went from Prime Video recently to both Netflix and Peacock. Um, and it, it literally, every time I go into Netflix, it's like in the top 10 streaming all the time. Suits has broken Nielsen streaming records two weeks in a row, like I said, with over 3 billion minutes watched. And it's, analysts are very confused. And the creatives behind the show, so the writers and showrunners and things like that, are wondering, hey, where's my residuals? And this goes back into that comment, right? This is why the writers are on strike. They're not getting residuals from these shows. 3.7 billion viewing minutes means someone is on Netflix and Peacock watching the show. And if that was a TV viewing, they would be getting a nice chunk of money from their residual checks. But they're probably barely seeing anything, but realistically very little, from that 3.7 billion viewing minutes. So, it... it, it It's very interesting to see um, what's going on. And for it to be a traditional show with nine seasons and more episodes, it goes back to this whole idea of why is streaming... Why streaming has changed TV so much, we don't get 23-episode seasons of shows anymore. It's 10, 15, maybe 18 at the most. Um, But what it also shows is that people want long-form television again. I, I'm getting tired of the 10 season, 10 episode arc because it shows are not on long enough. I get their hour long episodes. I understand production costs are high, but I want a show for more than 10 episodes. Like, wh- like what, what happened? What happened? Um, it, 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 it's very strange and it, it's interesting to see. But like, like I said, this is a big, big deal. Um, sisters Nora and Lilla, Lilla, Lilla Zuckerman, who are producers and writers on two of Suits' seasons, uh, they spoke to Decider about the money they'd received recently. Um, for a network re-air of their episodes, they normally get a, a check of, of around $12,000 back in 16, 2016. Um, for all the billions of, of minutes that have been streamed lately for their show, they got a check for $414. So, it, it, it's very interesting um, 
to see where where the value goes, right? If someone is spending, if people are spending billions of minutes on Netflix watching the show, they really should be getting a check for more than four hundred dollars, or another writer who got a check for two hundred fifty nine dollars. Like w- w- this is very interesting. Um, I understand that probably what what fueled higher checks was advertisements, advertisements, things like that, um, sponsorship deals. Uh, uh, Product placement, I get that's not always the case in Netflix shows, um, but Netflix has a lot of money, let's be realistic. So, it's a very interesting conversation, and this is essentially why they're striking. But I just wanted to put that those two different stories in your guys' head to kind of understand the situation a little bit better. I still am on the side of the writers in this, I think they're not asking for too much. Uh, it looks like the studios are starting to maybe crack just a bit on writing. We'll see what happens ultimately with the actors when it comes to all of this as well. Um, and speaking of that, it looks like a Nerf movie is back in the works and probably going to happen. Um, I've heard that one of the Brooklyn Nine-Nine showrunners pitched an idea that you do like a regular full-on big budget action film with like the rock or vin diesel or someone starring but instead of having like regular guns all the guns are nerf guns all the bullets are styrofoam but you don't make any mention or light of that fact at all play it straight and just like act like everything's normal with nerf guns and if that was the nerf movie sign me the fuck up i'll be first in line but if they do some kind of bullshit that they've done with some other toy movies No, you need to do what that guy's idea was and just act like nothing is different. But, but in reality, every gun is a Nerf gun. That, that would be an epic fucking movie, if you ask me. And I think that would make a billion dollars too. Uh, Just like the Barbie movie just made. Um, I don't know though. I don't know. This, this also goes back to some of the comments people make about writing. Um, Disney Plus released a trailer for their Percy Jackson show, which will drop on the platform in December. Um, Netflix announced a new documentary series based around Alien Encounters uh, being produced and made by Amblin Entertainment, uh, home of Steven Spielberg. James Gunn was interacting with fans on Twitter or threads, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, people calling him out like, oh, you're just making a young Superman movie with your, your Henry Cavill clone that you cast as Superman. He's like, where have I ever said I'm making a young Superman movie? Do not, so, based on that, do not expect Superman Legacy to be a young Superman movie or a Superman just starting out or anything like that, per James Gunn. Blue Beetle, DC's newest release, has won the weekend. With $25.4 million finally dethroning Barbie. Um, And speaking of going to the movies, you may be able to go to the movies for just $4 a person this weekend. Um, In regards to uh, it being the Cinema Foundation announced that National Cinema Day will be Sunday, August 27th. Where more than 3,000 movie theaters will have $4 ticket pricing. Um... AMC is included in that. So every movie, essentially, at these theaters will just be $4 a person. Uh, It's the second year in a row that this has happened. 
Last year they did it and they were only $3 a movie. $4 isn't bad. Maybe go see the Barbenheimer double feature for 8 bucks. <laughs> uh, instead of like the 40 it would probably cost you. Uh, Frasier's upcoming sequel television show, revival, reboot, whatever you want to call it, released a teaser uh, with, with um, Kelsey Grammer as Frasier Crane singing the famous theme song. Uh, it is just a teaser. It doesn't feature any footage or anything like that. But Paramount Plus, which will be airing the show in October, did release several stills from the program. And then Disney also announced that Frozen 2 would be getting a sequel before Frozen 3 comes out. So this will be a new podcast series that will see serve as a um, a, a like bridge between the two the upcoming potential Frozen 3. Uh, it will be called Disney's Frozen Forces of Nature. It will be released later this fall on Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon Music, and the like. And, uh, wow, for Frozen's 10th anniversary, holy shit. Uh, it will consist of 12 episodes of about, of about 20 minutes each. And uh, there is a re- uh, trailer that has been released. And uh, this is the first time Disney has done a podcast of sorts to tell a story. No word yet on who is starring in this podcast. Um, I wonder if it's going to feature Adina Menzel and, um, why can't I, Kristen Bell, and feature their voices. I wonder. It hasn't been announced yet. Um, someone, someone tweeted, will people listen? <laughs> yes, people will listen. There's literally like Marvel podcasts and stuff and DC ones and people listen to those. There was an awesome Halo one that was out for a while. Um, and before we move on to my favorite action movies from the 1980s, that's what we're going to talk about this week, I want to talk about Ahsoka. And Ahsoka is going to be one of the first new things I talk about in quite a while. And it might be the only one of the few new things I talk about for a while as well. Um, and I, I've been very cautious to talk about new stuff, mainly because I, I do want to show, show solidarity with the writers and the actors. And I'm not trying to promote things. I'm just trying to say what was announced because I, I do try to be more news and opinion than I do on, on promotion, uh, things like that. Uh, so that's why I don't really talk about a lot of new announcements lately, um, just because of that. But I do want to talk about Ahsoka um, because I want to give a review. And Star Wars is my favorite property overall. My favorite IP, my biggest fandom. We all know this. Uh, as of late, Star Wars has been going through some interesting things uh, in regards to how you know it's perceived by the fans, how people interact with the media, how the IP is being treated, uh, and, and the like. I for one, enjoy most Star Wars properties that have come out, with the exception of of Star Wars Resistance, which was awful. Uh, I didn't care that much for The Force Awakens or The Rise of Skywalker, and and realistically, that's understandable. I very much enjoyed The Mandalorian. Andor is amazing. I very much liked The Book of Boba Fett and Obi-Wan as well. So I I don't hate anything, really, that's come out of Star Wars. Because at the end of the day, it's new Star Wars. That's a little different, though, with Ahsoka. 
because Ahsoka is, by and large, one of the best Star Wars shows next to Andor. And I say that because it is a direct adaptation, essentially, of Rebels to live action. And we finally get to some classic Star Wars storytelling elements in Ahsoka. And I love how it's portrayed. I love how the music interacts with what's on screen. I like seeing Ahsoka in a live action. I'm still not 100% sold on Rosario Dawson as adult Ahsoka. Um, I love Rosario Dawson in general. I think she's an amazing actress. I just don't love her as Ahsoka yet. Um, In her minor appearances as Ahsoka in The Mandalorian and The Book of Boba Fett, fine. Full two hours of her, though, been a little hard. It's been a little hard to stomach. Um, and, and I mean that in the best possible way, but overall, this is what the movies and the Mandalorian should look like now. And Andor goes, is going for something different. And I respect Andor for what it does, because that is, while it is hundred percent Star Wars has a different look and feel. This has a look and feel of both the shows and like the, 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 prequel trilogy in a in a way that i haven't seen again since 2005's revenge of the sith and i love it another cool thing was seeing the rebels crew now we've seen essentially all of them in live action natasha lou bordizzo is great as a live action sabine uh mary elizabeth winstead as a live hera live action hera is better than i expected as well um granted we've and chopper whoo that maniac in live action, boy, oh boy, was it great. We've already seen, though, uh, Zeb at the end of The Mandalorian, and that's fine. He was always going to be a CG character. Um, we get a brief snippet, uh, snippet of Ezra, so need to wait for that. Need to wait for Thrawn. Um, I very much enjoy Ray Stevenson's take as Baron Skull, and he is a great uh, Jedi, not Jedi. The opening of the first episode is is reminiscent of how the force, the force, the Phantom Menace opened, and I, the parallels were amazing. The lightsaber fights are great. The character work and and cinematography on this show is amazing. We go to Corellia, and see more of the shipbuilding yards that we got a brief glimpse of in Solo. Uh, we uh, there's an actor in the second episode. If you've watched House, he played Doctor Taub. I haven't seen him in a lot of things recently. It was fun to see him play like a businessman on Corellia. First off, I always love seeing Imperial Star Destroyers in atmosphere or being built, and we get to see that in this the second episode of Ahsoka. Um, if you love Star Wars, you will love Ahsoka. Full stop. No, no, there's no debating that. Like this is one of the best on-screen adaptations of Star Wars in a very long time. And I said that about Andor, this is above Andor. I'm getting feels that I haven't felt in a very long time in regards to Star Wars. Probably since The Last Jedi. And that's a good thing. Um, another aspect of the show is is it looks like they're using the volume, but it also looks like they're not. And, and either the volume technology has gotten better since they were using it not well on The Mandalorian anymore... Uh, or they're doing a nice blend of live act of actual on location and the volume, and it works very well. 
Another aspect of the show is that they're bringing some more things in from Legends and in the how they're building up to a threat beyond the galaxy, which has kind of been an overarching theme in Star Wars in general for the last few while in both canon and non-canon. I'm looking at you, Yu Zhang Vong. Um, but while Thrawn is not in the first two episodes, I know he's going to be there soon. I would really hate if Thrawn is reserved for like the last episode or, or something, because that would be very unfortunate. But, but we are seeing so many elements of both the, the prequels and Star Wars Clone Wars and Rebels in live action, but also a great number of callbacks to the original trilogy as well in a way that the Mandalorian kind of steered away from. Yes, the Mandalorian had a look and feel of the original trilogy, um, but it didn't really have a lot of callbacks to it, whereas Soka is going all in. Home 1 is in the first episode. Nick, what the hell is Home 1? Home 1 is the MC-80 frigate, captained, I guess you would say, by Admiral Akbar. It is the main Mon Calamari ship used at the Battle of Endor against the Death Star 2. That is the big ship they're all on. So, is it an MC-80? Hold on, I gotta check now. <laughs> okay, it is an MC-80. I still know my, my Star Wars uh, stuff. Another ship brought in from the old canon from Legends, the E-Wing, makes its first appearance in live action. Fun fact, the E-Wing first appeared in the old Thrawn trilogy books back in the 90s. So... Uh, a lot of stuff might be made canon now with, with this Ahsoka show that have been left in Legends for quite a while, so I'm very excited to see that. Uh, fingers crossed we get Mara Jade. Just just throwing that out there. Um, but Ahsoka, honestly, some of the best Star Wars I've seen in a long time. I, I, you really should go watch it. You really should, because it's that good, especially if you're a Star Wars fan. So uh, that's it for what's going on in Hollywood between movies and television. Let's continue talking about movies made before 2023 shall we all right so let's uh continue in our quest to talk about my favorite movies made before night in 2023 so we've done movies made before 1950 we've done the 50s we've done the 60s we did the 70s and the 80s because i have watched so many 80s movies we've broken down into their subgenres so last week we did 1980s comedies which was quite a hard list for me to make today we do 1980s action movies some would argue the best decade of action movies. Some would argue the early 90s or late 80s were the best time for action movies. You could be on either side. I'm, I'm not going to argue with you. Because the 80s and 90s had some of the best action movies of all time. But, but, let's talk about my favorite 1980s action movies. Because there's some great ones in here. We're going to start at number 10, like we always do. And the fact that this movie is number 10 tells you how stacked, how stacked the 80s action movie genre is. 
At number 10, we have The First Lethal Weapon, released March 6th, 1987, starring Danny Glover, Glover and Mel Gibson, uh, directed by Richard Donner. Getting too old for this shit, man. Tells the story of a, a cop on the verge of retirement, partnered with a rogue, crazy rookie, uh, set in 1980s Los Angeles, as they hunt for uh, uh, some criminals, man. And honestly, I love both Lethal. I love all the Lethal Weapons, and I do hope Lethal Finale does eventually get made. But Lethal Weapon, the first one, is one of the best. Riggs and Murtaugh, baby. Riggs and Murtaugh. At number nine, I'll be back. The first Terminator film, The Terminator, released October 26th, 1984. Yes, that is correct. The first Terminator film came out in 1984. It would be seven years before the sequel was released. Uh, <laughs> I need your jacket, your boots. Arnold was unleashed on the world as an action hero in this film as he hunted as the T-800 hunted for John Connor. Sarah Connor. Oh no, John Connor wasn't born yet. They were hunting Sarah Connor. The Terminator. At number eight, Get to the Chopper. Predator, released June 12th, 1987. Again, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. And many other people we would come to love as action heroes and writers of action movies. Shane Black, the writer of several lethal weapons, the director of Iron Man 3, was in The Predator. Uh, It also starred Carl Weathers. Hell, even Jesse the Body Ventura um, was in this movie. A lot of people, a lot of people were in The Predator. Um... You are one ugly motherfucker. Come on. Come on, do it. Do it. Come on, kill me. I'm here. Kill me. I'm doing my my terrible Arnold impression. Dylan, you son of a bitch. Stick around. There's some great one-liners in this movie. It's also a great action movie overall. Ain't got time to bleed. (laughs) Uh, The Predator is an amazing action movie. Of course, that's proof in the pudding because it's a franchise that has endured for endured for over 30 years. At number 7, Rocky number 4, released December November 27th, 1985. If he dies, he dies. My personal favorite in the Rocky franchise, it features Rocky taking on Ivan Drago, Dolph Lundgren, of course. Uh, in Rocky, it's a it's a movie about overcoming the Soviet Union, right? It's about Rocky the American beating Ivan Drago, the the souped up, drugged up Russian prize fighter, and it features some great montages of Rocky training in Siberia. <laughs> Number six, Superman two, released December fourth, nineteen eighty. This is the direct sequel to 1978's Superman, starring Christopher Reeve. Uh, It also features the first on-screen version of General Zod, Neil Before Zod. This was, there's several different versions of this movie. I would recommend the Donner cut. 
Again, it's a, a director's cut of Superman 2. It's a superior version of the film. This is my personal second favorite Superman movie behind Man of Steel. Um, the Superman movie starring Christopher Reeve would see a significant downturn after the release of this film. Uh, there was some funky, stupid shit in this movie too. Very comic booky and camp, but that was the time for it. Uh, but Superman 2, Terrence Stamp as, as General Zod. A great, great movie. At number five, my personal favorite in the Indiana Jones franchise, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, released May 24th, 1989. Yes, the third film in the original Indiana Jones trilogy, uh, and what was considered the final Indiana Jones film before, uh, you know, Crystal Skull, and of course, Dial of Destiny released uh, several months ago. This film featured... The return of Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones. But it also featured Sean Connery as his father, Henry Jones Sr. Uh, it is, like I said, is my favorite of the Indiana Jones film. It features Indy on the hunt for the Holy Grail. The first film, of course, was about the hunt for the Ark of the Covenant. The second film, Temple of Doom, which is technically a prequel. Not my favorite movie. In the, not, I do not care for that Indiana Jones movie. I get it. I get what it was trying to do. I don't really like it but Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade features Indy fighting the Nazis once again there's some great comedic bits great action this movie holds up pretty well and I love it and number four another Arnold film Commando released October 4th 1985 featuring Arnold's one of Arnold's highest kill count also produced some great one-liners some great memes. Why don't you stick around? <laughs> if you love Arnold and you've never seen Commando, you need to watch it. It features him going on the hunt to rescue his daughter and just, just murking dudes left and right. A literal Commando. And number three, yippee Kaye, motherfucker. Die Hard. Released July 15th, 1988. Die Hard, man. In a movie that was originally supposed to star Frank Sinatra. <laughs> There's a long story behind that. We're not going to get into it. Die Hard starring Bruce Willis as one detective John McClane. Uh, and it features the film debut, if I'm not mistaken, of... Yes, the stage or the screen debut of Alan Rickman as Hans Gruber. Honestly... It is a Christmas movie. I don't care what anyone says. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. You, I will fight to the death on this. It literally takes place during Christmas. Features Christmas paraphernalia. It is a Christmas movie. And I have the machine gun now. Okay? <laughs> Great fucking movie. And number two. No surprise here. Batman. Released June 23rd, 1989, starring Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson. It is still my favorite Batman movie and will continue to be my fa favorite Batman movie. There's nothing you can say to change my mind as of right now. Jack Nicholson is the superior Joker. And if you have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight. And at number one... This might be a controversial pick because I know 
A lot of people don't necessarily care for this movie. It is a satire, but it is a great action movie in the epitome of 80s action movies. RoboCop, released July 17th, 1987. Dead or alive, you're coming with me. And I love RoboCop. It is a Paul Verhoeven masterpiece. It features features Peter Weller as uh, Alex Murphy, excuse me, RoboCop. Um, and it features Ronnie Cox as, uh, as the, the villain, if you will, uh, Dick Jones. Dick Jones! Dick Jones! Honestly, if you haven't seen RoboCop, I don't know what you're doing. Don't go watch the Joel Kinnaman one from like 2016. That movie's okay, not great. But like realistically, the first RoboCop is a is a is a great movie. Uh, it, it's a it's 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 a, like I said, it, it makes sense for the '80s. It totally does because there's and it's the reason it's my number it's my number one '80s movie. And sorry, Mark, Top Gun didn't make the list. I'm sure a lot of other people would be like, "What do you mean? How did, how's Top Gun not on your top ten? I do not care for the original Top Gun. Um, but like I said, I love RoboCop in ways, and it's ultra violent, right? And I get that, but it, it, like I said, it's a comment on the eighties as a whole about consumerism, about corporations, about policing. It is a satire and somehow Paul Verhoeven is the king of making misunderstood action satire movies. Because if you're wondering what other movie I'm talking about, he directed Starship Troopers. But honestly, this is an amazing list of top 10 80s action movies. Yes, there's some honorable mentions. The other Raiders films, you got First Blood in there. The other, the other Rambo movies, Lethal Weapon 2, Bloodsport. Um, some great James Bond movies were released in the 80s. Some very dark ones starring Timothy Dalton. But this is my top 10 for 80s action movies. Uh, to, to go back over it, Lethal Weapon, The Terminator, Predator, Rocky IV, Superman II, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Commando, Die Hard, Batman, and RoboCop. Uh, honestly, those first two movies kind of might help you identify with who I am as a person and my movie tastes, if you haven't noticed that already based on on movies from the past uh we have a couple more categories to cover in terms of 80s films uh we'll do sci-fi next week we'll do animated 80s teen movies 80s horror 80s family movies and then we'll end with 80s drama in uh was this one two three four five six weeks uh before we get to the 90s hopefully the strikes will be over by then that doesn't mean i'm going to end with my retrospective look at movies from the past, I do want to keep doing this, um, regardless if the strikes end or not. I think it will be a nice way to give you guys some insight into my my movie likes, right? Like, we've talked about new movies every year for the last five and a half years. I want to talk about old stuff. Um, you know, I don't get to as much because we kind of focus on the new stuff. I just want to create more new content for you guys as we kind of phase out television which we've so slowly been doing over the last few months. Um, uh, television news, I think, is not something that's 
endemic to what I've been talking about on this channel. And I, I think this is more uh, productive in terms of what I want to talk about, what I think you guys would enjoy. Obviously, video games will still be the main focus. Um, but I do want to talk about movies as well. And, and like I said, t television is... is there's, there's not a whole lot of nerd stuff on television anymore. Yes, there's very hyper-focused stuff. Star Wars, Star Trek, Marvel, DC, things like that. Um, but when it comes to nerdiness stuff, there's not as much. Um, yes, there is some stuff, but it, again, it's all over the place. Um, so as I kind of phase a lot, of, most of TV stuff out, we'll continue talking about old movies. Maybe then we'll get into old video games, right? I am a guy who loves history, so this kind of plays into that whole meaning as well. Um, so, like I said, we'll do sci-fi next week. Then we'll got animated teen, horror, family movies, things like that. Uh, we've done comedy. This was 80s action movies. Let's, uh, let's see where we go in the future. But that's it for Nixner News this week, guys. Thank you very much Week listening week in, week out. Uh, don't forget to follow us on social media. We're on all the big ones. I'm on TikTok, the Nick DeFalco. Uh, make sure to follow us on our website or follow us on any streaming platform you guys prefer. We're on all the big ones. You can also listen to episodes on TikTok now. Uh, and with that, I will catch you guys on the flip side. This has been a production of Nixner News. Please do not use without implicit facts permission. And yes, that means